Hey everyone, welcome back to On Topic Podcast with your host Jason Kim. Uh, today, Today's episode will be a little different, kind of similar to the book review, but this time I want to talk about my experience as, a, uh, as an extra on a film that I just watched recently, and that film being Midway. Uh, the movie Midway is a World War II uh, blockbuster action war film that is not that great. It's not that good. Uh, but I want to talk about my experience as an extra, what I've seen on set and what it's like to be a on a blockbuster film. I, I can Is this considered a blockbuster film? Or a failed blockbuster film? I don't know. It's It's really not that good. But... Anyway, it was a fun experience, and finally, after watching the movie, I thought that maybe I'll do a quick review, a quick review on the film, and uh, along with talking about my experience as an extra, of course. So, I guess I'll start as to how I found this job. Uh, my friend sent it to me as a as a Facebook event. Uh, they were hiring extras of East Asian descent, specifically Chinese, Korean, and Japanese. And they just needed extras, so I thought, okay, you know what? Like, I'll um, I'll sign up. Uh, the pay looked really, the pay was really good, and you know, fun experience. And I guess I, I guess I'll finally get to see what it's like to be on a Hollywood film set. And so I, I signed up, signed the, I uh, filled up PDF file. They emailed me back saying, hey, uh, can you be at Barry Ucam Metro by five thirty in the morning? And I and obviously I did. I get there at five thirty in the morning, and I get on a bus filled with other Asian extras, mostly Chinese. And they bring us in movie studio. We get in, we we sign in, and sign sign yeah we sign in with you know like all this info whatever. And then they fit us for costume, which was really cool. Once you get into the costume room, it's all this like crazy cool like world world war ii uniforms there's a japanese side and american side you see all these uniforms and they look they look authentic and i was talking i was speaking to the lady she was like a lot of these we bought off uh other companies or like a military surplus stores and stuff like that and she was like but some of these we had to make ourselves but the ones that they make themselves they were often the ones used for like the main actors and stuff but anyway Cool stuff, pretty cool. And then after I got fit for costume, I uh, we I go into another room and I get a free haircut, which was awesome. And then they also made me sign a non-disclosure agreement, so I couldn't take pictures of myself. I couldn't speak uh, about the film before release. And but yeah, but now it's out, so I can say whatever I want. But but I remember what I remember the most is. The costume because it was like it's we're in December and it's kind of cold outside so when you go to movie studio obviously everything's all warmed up but it's like in the wind the dead of winter you're constantly in a state of a little chilly you know what I mean you're always kind of cold at some point so always having a hoodie or sweater on is always you know the best and we were wearing things that were appropriate for the Pacific Ocean, let's say, somewhere that feels like Hawaii, you know what I mean? That's that's the clothing we, we were wearing, you know, linen. And and the shoes, the shoes I fucking hated. I had to wear them all day. And they were like these Toms with no insoles. And as someone who was flat-footed, that was painful. It sucked. But I really did feel like a Japanese sailor. <laughs> there was other people, who, other extras who were dressed in officer's uniform. And the vibe they had towards us, the people who just wore regular sailor's uniform, was different. They almost felt like they were better than us. I'm like, 
and part of me is like, who the fuck do you think you are? You just put on a uniform. Like, calm down, bro. And that's like the stupid Stanford prison experiment happening all over again. Uh, <laughs> and and the food was good. Uh, the catering service was good. You know, once we got in, got fit and everything, uh, they gave us free breakfast, free lunch, and dinner. There wasn't technically supposed to be dinner, but it, filming, you know, we filmed very late into uh, into the night. So they ordered pizza, which was also very nice. Uh, all in all, good. It was fun. A lot of CGI. Uh, the set was basically, when I was there, it's supposed to be, I guess, the bridge of a ship. Yeah, it's supposed to be the bridge of the ship where I guess is where, you know, where the commanders are and whatever, the naval officers or whatever whatever the technical, technical terms are. Um, it was that, and that entire room is soundproofed. So it was oddly quiet entering the set it's so weirdly quiet uh because like everything is soundproof and and that set the bridge of the ship is surrounded by blue screen you know and it's like oh this is gonna be like a thousand percent cgi well of course it's not like we're in the middle of the pacific ocean actually filming it but you know like it's but it was kind of it was really interesting to see i kept asking questions to the pa the production assistant it's like so how does it work how does the technical you know all that stuff and you know she was she was excited to explain it. It's like, oh, yeah, it works like this. It works like that. You know, it was pretty fun. Um, and among the extras, a lot of those extras were actually registered actors. Kind of like the Screen Actors Guild, you know? Like that little club of official actors. I guess, uh, yeah, there's some of the extras, they were a part of it or they just joined. And, you know, they're trying to make their way up the acting ladder. And, uh, and I see them starting at the bottom, literally being extras. I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is bottom, bottom. But you know what? I hope they make it. So, good luck to them. Anyway, so I'm on set, and no, sorry, we're in a cafeteria. And then at some point, the PA, the lady who's in charge of all the extras, uh, sections us off, or sections us off. I mean, uh, they group. She puts us in separate groups: officers in one corner, uh, sailors in another corner, and soldiers in another corner. You know, everyone's kind of separated. And then she calls us down, the sailors. I'm a Japanese sailor, number one million. And she calls us down. And she's like, we need to give you more uh, props for the scene. And I was like, oh, cool. Maybe it's going to be guns. But it, it wasn't guns, but still pretty cool. They gave us a helmet, which was surprisingly heavy. Uh, a vest, kind of like this military vest slash life jacket-ish, whatever. Uh, and they gave me a pair of binoculars. Uh, and they're like, please don't destroy these binoculars. They were legitimate. They were legit binoculars. Not the best, but, you know, they worked. And we get on set, and the, all the extras are in a corner, and we're just waiting, you know, to. We're waiting to be called up to be used as an extra. It's like. <laughs> it's like you're just waiting there to be called to, you know, you're just waiting there to be picked for a dodgeball team. It's kind of It's kind of like that feeling, you know? And. And finally, I sit there in that corner with other extras for two hours until finally she comes up and said, who hasn't done a scene yet? And, you know, people raise their hand. I raise my hand. She says, she, I remember she points at me and the people around me say, okay, the next scene after this one, you'll get on. We're like, all right, cool. We'll wait another like 30 minutes, which it was. We wait another like, another like 45 minutes. Get on. And she directs me to where I'm supposed to stand. And the director is doing his thing. He's talking to the actors saying, okay, you have to do this, to do that. He's talking to the technical team. I want the cameras angled this way, angled that way. Lights need to be do this and do that. You know, all, you know, 
all of uh, Hollywoodisms, I guess, was happening. And I was like, oh, cool. This is like a movie set. But it's really tedious. That's what I noticed. Everything's really tedious and everyone's exhausted. And I realized that the the part of the film that I was in is uh, towards the end of the film. But not only the end of the film, because I understand that the way they shoot films is out of sequence. So they only film based on availabilities of actors. But we were at the end of the filming schedule. So that means that everyone's so tired. Everyone's already been working on this project for like four or five months. And everyone's kind of being passive aggressive to each other. The majority of the crew is Quebecois. But the core creative group are the Americans from Hollywood. Roland Emmerich and his little gang, I guess, is his little uh, group. It was really obvious to separate who are the Americans and who are the locals. It was pretty obvious because... The LA types were very confident, very overt, obviously. They had big egos, obviously. Like, you can see that, you know, you need that to survive in Hollywood. Um, but they were, they knew what they were doing and they knew what they were saying. That's what I found really cool. Although I could tell that the staff and crew disagreed with sometimes with the director's uh, directions, but they still did it because they're like, you know, he's still, you know, he's still the boss. Okay, so for my scene, the PA puts me, you know, she says, like, okay, stand on that cross, which is on the floor. And she was like, take your binoculars and stare at the blue screen. You see the cross on the blue screen right there? I was like, yeah. Your job is to stare at that for as long as it's needed. And that is me staring at this cross on a blue screen for three hours straight. And I remember falling asleep at least several times during the middle of the filming. It was... I don't think anyone realized that I've nearly collapsed while standing up. You know, I was up since 5.30 and at this point, I think it was 1 p.m. And I'm so tired. Haven't slept at all because I was so excited just to get on set. Until like, then I get on set and I'm like, I'd rather go home. (laughs) But obviously I stayed. I stayed because the money was good. And that was one scene. Another scene I had to do was later in the day was from the top of the bridge, run down the stairs look at a recently destroyed Japanese destroyer or like a sinking destroyer that just got wrecked by the Americans, look shocked and go, oh my God, and run back upstairs. Kind of, that's that was the scene. Run down, look shocked, run back up. And I was had this other guy with me. And we did that at least like seven, eight times or even 10 times just to get it right. And I realized that it's boring. Making movies is actually really tedious and really boring. And... The artistry comes in, and I'm realizing the artistry of filmmaking comes in the neurotics of redoing the scenes repeatedly, 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 you know? Uh, Just finding the perfect angle, the perfect line, the perfect expression, the perfect emotional outpour, you know, all that stuff. And and it's fun. Yeah, it was, uh, it was was, again, interesting, fascinating to see how these people, you know, people like that in Hollywood work. And the imagination required to visualize a scene before you and all that. You know, I was I was impressed. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And this is the same director who made Independence Day. This is the same guy who worked with Jeffrey Goldblum and Will Smith. And I was like, crap, it's this guy. And he looks like every middle-aged man in Westmount. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. No. <laughs> like, I mean that in both... I mean that I don't mean that negatively at all. I mean that in both in a good way and a funny way as well. Funny way as in like it's almost stereotypical, but 
in a good way. I'm like, you know, he he must have been he must be like fifty something, and he looked like early forties, late thirties, so looked pretty good for his age. Uh, had he dressed, he dressed how I imagine Kanye West would dress on a casual day. That all rhymed. That was fantastic. All that because I said I conjured up Kanye West, but. <laughs> That's kind of how he dressed, uh, like a hype beast, essentially, an old an old man in hype beast clothing. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the final scene that I was in was uh, the scene that I actually got into the film. And I think if you watch this movie, is available on Amazon Prime, by the way. And if you go to the one hour and fifty two mark, that's my scene, and you see me in the back right of the of the scene because this time we're at the top of the bridge and i'm on the machine gun in the back however my scene was not supposed to be on the machine gun i was supposed to be the guy to say a line in japanese what had happened was this is where i find fascinating where they change up the scene last minute to make it feel better or look better so initially the scene was supposed to be me staring up towards the sky with my binoculars and I noticed a P-51 American fighter plane just, you know, hauling ass towards me. And I was supposed to drop my binoculars, look in terror into the camera, and that's it. And that was my line. Uh, not my, not even my line. That was, like, my scene. And I've done it. I think I did that, like, maybe three, five times until uh, Roland Emmerich, director, was like, he looks at me and says, hey, do you speak Japanese? And I said... No. And he goes and speaks to his Japanese consultant and they cut, you know, I don't know what they said. I don't know what they said. And then... So initially, the scene was supposed to be uh, me staring up at the sky with my binoculars, staring at the camera, and the camera is supposed to be uh, an American fighter plane. And what the director had told me was, look up at the camera and pretend that's a plane coming at you, hauling ass towards you, you drop your binoculars and you give a look of terror. And I was like, all right, cool. We did that three, five times. And then he this he speaks to his uh, Japanese consultants. Then he comes to me and he says, hey, uh, do you speak Japanese? And I said, no. Now on the scene is at the top of the bridge. And I'm surrounded by like 10 other extras. And then he looks out at all the other extras. Like, does do any of you speak Japanese? And one guy says, I speak a little bit. And he says, okay, you two switch. And we switched. And then I got demoted to the machine gunner in the back. And the machine gun was not even pointing at the... <laughs> the machine gun was not even pointing at the incoming plane. And so that's uh, that's what happened. But then the guy, when he switched with me, he asked the director, what's the line? And the Japanese lady gave him the line in Japanese, which was Deji. And that's when I got pissed. Because I realized... I was so stupid. First off, I should have asked him what's the line. And second, I thought it would be like this full-on like speech in Japanese or something like that. You know, like this two-sentence in Japanese. I thought it was going to be two-sentence Japanese. I'm like, I'm going to butcher it. I can't disrespect all Asians like this. I'm, I'm not going to do that, right? And... <laughs> and then this guy, he just... It's one line. And then he says it. And he nails a line. And now I see the movie. He nails it. Uh, look, feels authentic. No one knows he's Japanese. No one knows he's Chinese. That guy, <laughs> and and yeah, and there I am in the back, looking shocked at the incoming plane, but not swimming, swinging my machine gun at the plane. And it was funny because as we kept doing that take, 
uh, they switched up. They obviously they all they kept switching up the scene until we get the scene we have today in the film. And but I remember in that scene he asked me, he's like, "Hey, can you swing your machine gun at the plane?" And I tried swinging it, and I was like, "I can't. It's like it's stuck. It's locked into into position." And he was like, and he just said, "Okay, whatever. Keep filming." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> all right." <laughs> but yeah, that was my experience. And then that was the last scene, and we did that scene for three hours. Finally, got home, and finally we left, and I got home around one thirty two a.m. after being there since six a.m. Let me just talk about things that stood out about this movie, good and bad. Now, the first one is either it's both good and bad. The main character's name is Dick Best. Let's assume his full name is Richard Best, but even in the credits, his name is literally Dick Best. And his character is so hyper, not hyper masculine, but very, very like masculine, you know, and very much uh he's like the proto top gun everything in top gun into one guy is is dick best his name is his name is the best in the business dick best <laughs> it's it's great like i mean that's confidence right there who needs a job done dick best that's that's him <laughs> i think i think these are also based on real people so if this guy actually existed and his name was truly dick best all my respects, man. No, no, no joke whatsoever. Just all my respect. <laughs> like really. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, and also, I couldn't care less about his character because the the accent that the that the actor does was so over the top and exaggerated that it was unbelievable. Not unbelievable. Like wow, that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. As in, like, you're not a real person. This is a caricature of of something. I don't know what fantastic movie it's a great film and there are other actors worth mentioning in this film uh woody harrelson who just seems to be reading his lines and picking up a paycheck that's really what it felt mandy moore comes off as just someone who's really bitter and angry that her husband's away that's literally that's how her character is written and she delivers i mean it's mandy moore so you know she's great actress great singer great everything uh and it's yeah it's just i don't know what the movie was trying to do is it trying to show historical battle how it actually went down and does it try to capture how we feel how should we feel in this scenario that the japanese uh, fleet is being destroyed before them by american american fighters you know and it's uh yeah so i i, I really don't know what it's trying to do is it trying to just be an action film or be a historical representation kind of kind of like saving private ryan but this is definitely not a saving private ryan that is it is not that i mean that film with nicholas cage wind talkers is honestly wind talkers is better i'm not even gonna lie i thoroughly enjoyed wind talkers because at least it was about a niche historical fact that truly happened of using indigenous navajo people as radio talkers and using their language as a code in of itself like you know the same thing happened in canada the canadian army used cree indigenous people to be code talkers as well so it's like you know cool shit like that and you have midway with the biggest battle in the pacific ocean this film captures the epicness of the battle 100 percent. like it's chaotic it's a, it's a it looks like a nightmare to be honest but it also because the aesthetics is, looks so pleasing in a way that it just you know it's just an action film don't take this as a perfectly written dramatic film this is all action and if you're someone who enjoys action war films strongly recommend this film 
action is truly fun. The the CGI looks good. Uh, if you have a good monitor or a good TV, definitely worth the watch. Uh, oh yeah, I'm in it. So that's I think another uh, A plus to the film uh, that I'm in it. And uh, what other good things can I say about this? Uh, <laughs> or should I go on with the bad? Okay, what's bad? Yeah, acting sucks. Writing sucks. Um, I don't care about the characters. Like I'm not attached to it. Like I really don't care. Um, oh yeah, and there's a part of the film where the first ten, fifth, first ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, you you know, you introduce to the character Dick Bess and what his motivations are, fighter pilot, and all these characters are motivations rooted into Pearl Harbor, which they attack on Pearl Harbor, which makes sense. I mean, that's that's the reason why most Americans joined the army because it galvanized them to be like, hey, you know, fuck you, you know, and you betray you backstabbing, blah blah blah, and. Well, they probably say some racist stuff. They definitely said some racist stuff. Which in this film, I don't recall them ever saying it. But also, it's because I'm like, I was kind of like half paying attention. But, but yeah, it's a... It's a film that flew... That literally flew under the radar because it, it didn't do well in the box office, apparently. I don't know exactly the numbers, but I think on Rotten Tomato got like a 60% or something. And IMDb, like a similar rating. I yeah um I'm actually playing the movie in the background right now as I'm recording and I'm seeing some of the CGI. Yeah, there are moments when the CGI could be better. Uh, I'm gonna take back what I said. Uh, the something yeah 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 okay I'm seeing it now. Yeah, the CGI CGI is not the best uh, at times. Oh yeah, and also I heard on set the day before I was shooting. Apparently they filmed all the fighting scenes, so they had like water being splashed onto the extras. They were shooting guns and shit, and I I missed it by day, and I was like, crap, that's too bad. That apparently that day was a lot of fun, and I met these two actors, uh, the brothers. They're bo- these two guys looked more Japanese than all of us, and they're half Korean, half Canadian, so half white, half Korean, and they somehow look more Japanese than the rest of us. And I said that to them as a joke, and they were kind of like. I don't think they got it. I don't think they found it funny. <laughs> but I thought I was like, you guys look more Japanese than all of us. It's you know, and uh, I felt bad because they didn't do any scene that day, and they were so bored. They, I remember one of them just passed out for four hours uh, in the corner, and I was like, I'm, I'm kind of envious. I kind of wish I did that. All in all, it was, uh, I think it was worth the experience. To answer that question again, would I do it again? Maybe. I think it depends on the film. If it was kind of like a Quentin Tarantino film, hell yeah, I definitely good you know want to be a part of that anyway um i do recommend watching midway i think that this movie might be good at like a house party to walk like you know like if (laughs) maybe not at a house party that's probably a weird film to put at a house party but when you're with like your friends you have nothing else to do and you just want to put on netflix and watch something just watch something i think this could be it for you if you don't mind watching mediocre films i'm so i'm I feel bad saying that, but that's that's honestly what this film is. It's uh, it's not the best. By no means am I disrespecting the crew that worked hard on this film. I seen how hard they worked and the long hours they pulled. No disrespect to the actors or to the a little disrespect to the actors or to the extras. Uh, you know, everyone worked hard and I see the hard work it you know they put in for for a film like this. So anyway, all this to say. I feel like they weren't being racist towards Japanese because there weren't enough Japanese people in Montreal. So they had to rely on Japanese reserves, Koreans and Chinese. <laughs> that's kind of how, I guess that's how Hollywood deals with its ethnic problems. 
So if you like this episode and enjoyed this episode, please uh, follow me on Instagram at Jason underscore Jisoo. And make sure to follow, subscribe this podcast, On Topic with Jason Kim, on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or any other streaming uh, apps. And I'll be... I'll do my best to regularly post single episodes because right now I am working on season two of the podcast and also planning season three. But I'll keep do, dropping these single episodes as much as I can. But once again, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed this, uh, my experience as an extra and also this review of the film Midway. Um, I, again, I do recommend watching it for the, for the laws. <laughs> Anyway, thank you again. Once again, from Montreal, I'm Jason Kim. Thank you.